Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Well, they actually eat like 47 different foods, not three. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Oh, of course, there's Gretchen in the lead. Again, do they even audition other kids? With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. What you're hearing is that they're yelling more than the other kids, they're yelling more than you would like, but that's not who they are. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Yes, that was my kid playing beggar number four. <laughs> Isn't she amazing? I'm so proud of her. The stage really has always been her calling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about when kids fight you on everything, every single thing, everything. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yes, that does sound familiar. Often we like to say it gets better, but let me tell you, I got tweens and young teens and it doesn't get that. It just hasn't gotten much better. I'm going to come in hot and say this is true for almost every kid sometimes and some kids most of the time. Certain kids are really turned up for what in their interactions with their parents. And let's just say I have some of both kinds. Let's say it. Let's say it like that. Yeah, I have some who fight me particularly. Like I am the person they will defy no matter what. Especially mom, I'm going to say. Yeah. Not my spouse. That's what I mean. I mean me and me alone. Saving all their love for me, as you say. I have a child who fights plants that it does not matter what you suggest. Like, do you want to go well, that would be funny, too. I thought you said plants, like the fern. That's me. I, mean, I fight plants. That's useful. Well, he fights plants. Like, do you want to go to, like, the ice cream store and eat candy all day? He's like, no, I'm good. Like, he doesn't want to do. But does he fight or is he just disinterested? Like, this isn't like... Well, he doesn't scream and yell, but, like, he strongly resists any plant. And... It's funny to me, as we occasionally refer to him as Dr. No, because he's just Dr. No. Like, do you want to? No. And his famous thing is, at some point, we were like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? What? And then I finally said, what do you want to do? And he said, I don't want to do. That's his fighting method. He doesn't want to do. Today, I want to kind of specifically talk about kids who argue, like kids who push back. They're not just like, "Mm, not for me, but they're fighting you. They're refusing to do what you say. You take something away, they sneak and they get it back. They don't follow rules. There's just pushback on every single thing. 
And perhaps this same child might enjoy doing things to annoy or upset their siblings, their parents, and on top of it all, they're super easily annoyed by anything anybody else might say or do. Even if they're not trying to annoy them on purpose, they think they are. So it's really the whole world is out to annoy them, which is why they're so mad at everybody all the time. Got it. Sounds right. Now, this is true, like, every two-year-old, right, who, like, missed a nap today. That's... Right. (laughs) Every two-year-old who's missed a nap ever has this syndrome. Right. Just, like, everything is wrong. Everything is terrible. I don't like my toast with cinnamon on it, even though they like their toast with cinnamon on it every day. Like, this is... Right. Right. The chicken nugget is the wrong shape. Yes. Right. Right. And then sometimes this can kind of... It comes and goes. I mean, it comes back... Who is just saying, oh, it was our guest, Mother Gopi Gita. I interviewed her solo, and she said that the age of five is an age of upheaval, and the age of 15 is an age of upheaval, and the age of two is another age of upheaval, and the age of 12. And I was like, this is blowing my mind that it's two and 12, five and 15. She thought there was something very cyclical about this. And I think there is. And so you can get out of your own way. Like the whole this gets better messaging that we like to give, I think in this case is, yes, you can have a kid who fights you on everything. Everything's a battle. And those times will usually come and go. I think that's right. But I also think it goes into remission is what you're saying. And I think that's really (laughs) right. Like, because I remember having whatever my first kids, you know, preschool evaluation, and it said, you know, struggles with transitions or whatever. And my sister-in-law, who's a school administrator, Christy Martin, we had her on the podcast. She's a, she runs a school. She said, oh, you'll be reading that for the next 16 years. Like the idea that some of these things are very baked in the cake, right? And not wrong. That kid is now 15 and still, you never ever say to that kid, put that book down where I would go to the movies. Like it is not going to work for you. Oh, that's interesting, because I have a kid that does, and if you're like, what do you want to do today? Is it this? Is it this? And that can really fry that kid's circuits. And I had a professional tell me a long time ago that sometimes choices aren't the right answer for a kid like that. It's just like, here's your cereal. Like, instead of fighting over what they're going to have for breakfast in the morning, just hand them something. Instead of saying, do you want to do this or this today? Like, today we're going here in two hours. So you can play your video game in that. Yeah, I think choices is different than transitions. I think transitions, choices are overwhelming to my this same kid of mine. He doesn't, doesn't need 10 choices. It's like, here's the pants that you're going to wear. Right, because the transition's hard. Right, right, right. If I forget to tell him after school, you're going to miss something you wanted to do and instead go to the doctor, that I just know my night's ruined. <laughs> you know, I need to, as they say, prime the pump. Like if I tell him a week out, like, don't forget Thursday, no track, you're going to go to the doctor. We're going to be fine. But if I forget, it's not going to go great. So kids who have ADHD are also more likely to be, all kinds of kids can be oppositional or defiant, but kids with ADHD are more likely. And I think it's most commonly argued that it's because it just sort of bathes you in a little bit of dopamine. It's exciting. It's negative attention, but it's still attention. It's not boring to be in a yelling match. Well, I think it's also, we've talked about like how many spoons you have available is the metaphor people use like and that for some kids being nice to your parent you have like 40 spoons and being nice to your parent takes four i think sometimes for kids with adhd they've used up all their spoons getting through school or doing other things and it's like i've only got two spoons left and so being nice to my parents takes four 
Right, exactly. And I'm not wasting my spoons. I'm not wasting tomorrow's spoons. I'm being nice to mom. Well, and I really do think it's not, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not conscience. It's conscience. No, 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 no. That's right. It's definitely not like I'm going to save my spoons and I'm going to mess with my mom. It's just like my circuits are fried and you're asking me to brush my teeth and I'm like, no, <laughs> because I'm out of spoons, not because I've decided to make your life more difficult. So Dr. Douglas Riley wrote a book called The Defiant Child, A Parent's Guide to Oppositional Defiant Disorder, which we'll get into what ODD is and how you might know if that's what you're dealing with. But he said in the book, and it blew my mind, so I needed to hear this for myself. The kid who behaves irrationally is not aware they're behaving irrationally. To them, what they're doing makes sense. Like, I won't put my shoes on. That's right. That's what we were just saying, right? They're not sitting there being like, I'm going to mess with my... They're like, I am full. The tank is full. And so I am going to react this way. And they're not aware. Which, believe me, I have been guilty of myself as well. (laughs) Right. A person behaving irrationally is not aware that they're behaving irrationally. To them, it makes sense that the whole world is out to get them and annoying them, which is why they're yelling. And what I've had to learn is that it's not, that I'm still learning, is that it's not your job in the moment to correct that misperception. You're not going to be able to. That's not the way to get a person who's behaving irrationally to stop is by showing them that what they're saying, doing, thinking is irrational. That's not something an irrationally behaving person can realize in the moment. They're not available for learning. Yeah, red brain. We've talked about this. Like you can't, oh, this is a big struggle of mine. I have such a low tolerance for being spoken to rudely. I just, I will not allow it. I, I'm not going to be disrespected in a house that I clean, cook in and help pay for it. Like I'm not going to be treated like a jerk at the end of the day. I just won't do it. Right. I feel the same way. I mean, I'm with you and I don't think any of this means that you're supposed to be treated like a doormat, that that's the answer to this. Just let them. But I do think that sometimes, and I feel like you've helped me with this and taught me a little bit about like, but that doesn't mean you have to rise to every piece of bait and you don't have to fight every fight. Mm -hmm. But, and I definitely have had all my kids to some degree, but the one I'm thinking of in particular, say, I'll say, don't speak to me that way. I'm just talking, you know, and I do think they don't hear it mm-hmm. the way that I hear it. Mm-hmm. Even if they're yelling, right. But at the same time, they're yelling, well, I need to yell, you're not hearing me. And that frustration that comes out, they're just like, well, I'm feeling frustrated. So of course, I'm speaking in a frustrated way. But I'm not trying to be rude or hurt your feelings, but ah, we get stuck in that loop sometimes. Right, right. But don't talk to me that way. But don't talk to me that way. I have three gut check questions that I think are good. When you're in a sort of an ongoing battle of wills with your child, three things to ask yourself as you find yourself being more and more, you know, agitated and concerned in response. Most importantly, is this something that's only happening at home? If they're getting along with their friends at school, if they're not getting in screaming matches at the Little League game, if their kid can come over and have a nice play date, right? If it's only happening with you, maybe only with mom, only at home, only in very certain places, then you can rest assured that while this is annoying and something to think about, it's not something that you need to elevate to a a higher concern. Yep. That makes sense to me. And I think it's a good... Yeah. And then you start to say, I have a role in this problem to some degree. And it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong, but 
my mother was a therapist and she had a series of books that were called The Dance of, and we used to make fun of them. Like The Dance of Anger, The Dance of Intimacy. We've talked about this because I still want to get Harriet Lerner. She wrote these books. I still want to get her on the show. She's still around. Oh my God. We have to get her on the podcast. But for some reason, they tickled us as kids and we would like perform elaborate dances and being like, I'm doing the dance of boredom. Like we just thought it was hilarious. But it takes two, right? And that's kind of the central. I am so resistant to that message. And it's true, right? Like you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's your fault or you're doing it wrong or like, wow, if you could just chill, mom, everything would go great. But it does mean that there is something in the dynamic between you and your child that is making this more difficult or that this is your child's only safe place to do it, possibly. Right. Um, this is the second gut check question, which is very true for me. Am I fearing this as a reflection on my parenting, especially when it's happening in public and your kid is being defiant or sassy to you? on a street corner at Thanksgiving dinner, things like that is part of what you're reacting to is like, I will not be spoken to that way. It's the parenting with an audience. Like, and now everybody thinks that I'm a bad parent, which is why my kid is being so defiant. Is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing, but it probably is when you're saying like, well, what do you bring to this? Uh, you know, you're bringing to this, I will not let my brother-in-law think that I don't know how to raise my kids. It is or is not a bad thing. It's just a their thing, I guess is what I'm saying. I guess that's right. It's like, it's not, is it good or bad? It's that, is this part of the dynamic or not part of the dynamic? And we recently had house guests and I definitely noticed a change in all my kids' behavior. Like the kind of performy kid was very turned up. The kind of rude speaking kid was testing some boundaries around that. Like, but will I hold this line in front of these house guests? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I definitely have that. But I, I don't know. I am like, when we're out in public, you better not act foolish. Well, also, like, will this be seen as lax parenting on your part when you have a kid who pushes back and is angry and rude? Yeah, it will. People will totally judge your parenting. And I will say, having done research for this episode, the same guy, Dr. Douglas Riley, the defiant child, like that's his lane. That's what he deals with, defiant children. And he says in the book, I have yet to meet a defiant child whose behaviors and underlying needs and all that were caused simply by bad parenting. Thank you, Dr. Whatever your name is. Yes. Dr. Riley. He said, Dr. Douglas Riley <laughs> knows a defiant child, but it's never just the lazy parents' fault. But the world will think of it that way. That doesn't mean you have to take that into consideration. It's just, it is there. It's present. It's a factor. All right, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches, I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Okay, so we were talking about gut checks. When you have a kid that you're just, everything is is a prolonged struggle with this kid. Everything is a fight. What's going on? Um, the third thing you should ask yourself is what else is going on underneath this iceberg, right? I mean, we, that's some, certainly something we return to over and over again. We just had a listener a couple of weeks ago who wrote in, it was an Ask Amy, and her question was, basically her kid was falling apart after school and saying all kinds of like things that were down on herself. But she put in the question her own answer, which was she did just move to a new floor where she's getting ready for kindergarten and they're asking much more of her during the day. Do you think that could be what's going on? And it's like, definitely, yes, that's what's going on, right? And so when your kid's saying she hates herself, she might, or it might just be that she's having a really hard time with something else. Yeah, and that behavior as communication, I think is something that I've gotten much clearer about through doing the podcast that, I mean, you said early on, right, your kid isn't giving you a hard time, they're having a hard time. Those distinctions can be hard. And also, your kid who's on year three of having a hard time, it's tiring. It's really exhausting. It's like, I don't know that I care that much anymore. I just want you to stop yelling at me. And I want our home to be peaceful, you know. And I think that's 
very understandable and realistic. And I don't think that people allow themselves to give voice to like, I'm over it. I'm over what's going on with you. I just want to go back to peace in the house. Right. You also can't come under this. Like there's no, okay, I understand. Okay. You you know, mommy's sorry. I gave you the wrong cup. There's sort of also no amount of that you can do that will make this go away. Yeah. And I do think to some degree, these problems, and this is a little bit depressing, can be quite cumulative. Like a kid who's having a hard time, and then they're becoming, I mean, kind of your least preferred child for a while, because they're annoying the heck out of everybody in the house. They're feeling bad about themselves, then they're feeling worse about themselves, because the vibe is, you you annoy everybody, you're tough, you know? And I think that it can become very, like a downward spiral a little bit. And that I think it's very, very important to try to break some of those spirals. And I have some thoughts about that because I do think that I have seen it in kids I know that it can become a little cumulative. Mm -hmm. Like you are the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, nobody likes me. And then your behavior gets so bad that like, I'm sorry, but nobody likes you. It is exhausting to be around you. And there are, I wanted to talk about briefly about oppositional defiant disorder, you know, what that is, because there are kids for whom this is beyond a bad six months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me give you the definition for that. Oppositional defiant disorder is defiant behavior that persists for a prolonged period of time and interferes with a child's performance at school and with family and with friends. So Dr. Riley, who wrote The Defiant Child, he said that the behaviors occur at a rate and intensity far beyond you know, the usual and at such magnitude that they create difficulties in functioning. If that's your kid, then that's okay, but you should talk to your pediatrician because that's something that's beyond the scope of you talking in a different kind of voice, right? That's something that you're probably going to need some extra help with. Yeah. And this also occurs on a huge spectrum. And I think oppositional defiant disorder is one end of the spectrum. But I had in high school, my relationship with my mother completely blew apart. It just, we did not like each other. And we everything she was, I said no to. And she just got to a point where she was, I think, really over it and sort of like, I'm not playing anymore. I'm taking my ball and going home, you know? And I mean, it's writ large. It wasn't, you know, not exactly what happened. But I do think that this doesn't have to be, I did not have autism, ADHD. I did not have, I just was a kid who felt very trapped in a role that I wasn't happy with. I had very high achieving siblings and I felt like, you know, the also ran and that I was being constantly measured by yardsticks that didn't fit for me. And I got real mad and I got real jerky about being so mad. And, you know, it was really tough. And this was a time when you were like functioning, you were playing a sport, you were going to school. I mean, you weren't like setting fire to people's lockers or were you? Because that would be something about you I didn't know. (laughs) I was not setting fire to people's lockers. I was, no, it was definitely a home dynamic. I was functional at school, but I was sort of, 
I don't know. I feel like I kind of got into a role at some point of being like right. the bad kid. And I went to like a square school. And I mean, believe me, we should all have such rebellious kids as me. I wasn't exactly, you know, swinging from the chandeliers. But I just, the dynamic got very bad. And that's what I mean by cumulative. Like it just, the dynamic started to go off maybe, you know, my second year of high school. And then it's like, we just could not find a path. And we just went on separate paths for a while. And then in college, I kind of found my own bee tribe. And my mom and I ended up having a fantastic relationship for the rest of our lives. But man, that high school time was rough. I'm honestly curious, how did that sort of reapproach happen? Was it like you came home from college for breaks and your mom didn't seem so annoying anymore? Like, how did it happen? Yeah, I think it was just too much time together. Like, I, until my mom passed away when I was in my 40s, like, I still would come home with like red streaks in my hair and she'd be like, really? And instead of me being like, yes, really? Because I'm not a close-minded square like you. I'm my own person. I would instead be like, really? What's for dinner? Like, I think the pressure of not feeling like once the interdependency came out of our relationship, we got along really, really well. And she always was sort of like, you're a weirdo. And I was always sort of like, you're a square. But we came to a very separate piece once I got out of the house. But what when I was in the house, it was like 25 times a day. Everything I did annoyed her and everything she did annoyed me. It's helpful to hear that it's a season that can be overcome, but at least I'm imagining being your mom in this circumstance, at least she probably clung to like, all right, well, she's doing fine at school. So let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I try to think with my own kids, let's just see what happens, you know, like, and I struggle with this. I'm a warrior and a catastrophizer and a, but if this, then, and we've talked about it before, the like proverb that is, you know, the guy, the it's maybe is his answer to everything. You know, like the crops die and they're like, this is a disaster. Well, maybe. But then the something turns out good because the, a new crop grows, you know, and then the son breaks his leg. Oh, no, this is the worst thing that ever happened. He says, maybe. And because the son now can't help with the farm. But then the soldiers come to recruit new soldiers and that he can't go because his leg is broken. Like, I, I have tried so hard to adopt an attitude of like, is this good? Is this bad? Maybe. And I think with seasons, right, developmentally appropriate seasons. Yeah. And with seasons where kids are not, where you're not connected with your kids, it's like, this is okay, too. We're not best friends. We're not each other's other person. We're mom and child. And there may be times where that person is needs to kind of separate from me a little bit. Right. And they can ask for that separation in the most abrupt and unpleasant of ways. Oh, they're going to get that separation. They're going to get it. Yep. They are definitely going to get it. I think to some degree, there was a lot of closeness in our family. And I felt a little square peggy in our family. And so a lot of that defiance was like, I don't need this, you know, because I felt I was outside of it. Soiling the nest, right. I'm getting out of here. Soiling the nest. And I think that that's a very normal phase for kids to be like, they're scared to be like, I don't need you. So they're like, I'm going to break everything to show how much I don't need you. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I want to keep an eye on ages and stages for this because our kids are older, so we tend to talk about older kids' problems. But this is like you can have a defiant three-year-old too. You can have a defiant six-year-old, eight-year-old, ten-year-old, and they're leaving for college soon is sometimes I think more comforting as a thing to keep in mind than you have like an eight-year-old who won't do anything that you ask them to do. So there's some ideas. I have some stuff that works. I've collected it from a bunch of people. So let's talk about some of it. The first one, Catherine Lee, she's a parenting writer. She wrote a great article for Very Well Family. I put the link in the show notes, Effective Ways to Handle Defiant Children. And this is a lot of of younger children advice. So her advice, the best advice I thought was um, to keep track of your child's defiance. We would call this like, you know, get curious about it the causes and the triggers. Look for a pattern. Look for certain days of the week when they might feel hectic or hurried or rushed. Are there certain things they don't like or don't want to do, right? Are they extra cranky on Tuesday mornings because Tuesday mornings are PE and they don't like PE? Speaking for a child that was once me. If you can figure it out, it's like the iceberg thing, but getting more specific because if you really look there is often, it feels like it's happening all the time. It's not happening all the time. It's happening after 6 p.m. or after a baseball game. And that's a clue. This is a very good watch your story thought too, which is, well, my child doesn't eat anything. Well, they actually eat like 47 different foods, not three, you know? But if we eat 150 foods, it feels like they don't eat anything. And I think that like my child is always yelling is another story that can come up. And what you're hearing is that they're yelling more than the other kids. They're yelling more than you would like, but that's not who they are. And that I think is where things tend to get very off is when we start defining the story of our children based on bad behavior. Yeah. I mean, if we don't want them to think that every single thing that we say and do is so annoying, then we have to be aware of everything I say to this kid gets resistance of globalizing it. And then you become an evidence gatherer, right? Like if your story is like this kid is oppositional, then you're always looking for that. Whereas if you're able to say to some degree, like, well, this kid is so loving, except for when they're oppositional, it's hard. But I think that you have to watch that you're the like prosecutor taking evidence against your kid. It's just not a good dynamic. Mm-hmm. You're right. All right. Something else from Catherine Lee was that you can try to word things positively. This is similar to some more advice I have coming later. But if you know that your kid is going to give you a hard time, the example is they don't want to eat lunch because they want to get back in the pool, right? That's the example that she uses. You know that this is fraught. It's fraught every time this comes up. You try to frame things more positively. So instead of saying, you can't go back in the pool until you eat lunch, say, as soon as you finish your sandwich, you can go back in the pool. That if you keep it positive, your kid is more likely to agree. I mean, maybe. It's worth a shot, right? Kids who like to disagree with everything, it's giving them one less thing to disagree with. And it isn't like, they're not like mind Jedis, right? Who are out to twist everything you say around, especially an eight-year-old who just wants to go back in the pool. So if you help them think of it, reframe it slightly, I think that would work a lot of times with younger kids. I think it's good advice. A cranky teenager, who knows? Mm, Yeah, I mean, your mileage may vary with a 16-year-old. Right, 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 right. All right, more advice after this. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... 
toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now, things you will hear at the school play. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Ugh, why do I not remember my fair lady being this long? Was it always this long? Oh, of course. There's Gretchen in the lead. Again, do they even audition other kids? Wow, that is one apathetic version of the hand jive. Great, I get the seat behind the dad with the news crew video set up. Uh-oh, uh-oh, we've got someone crying in the chorus. Oh, gosh, actually it looks like... Two chorus members are actively weeping. Oh, can I get an extra program? It will be the perfect addition to my box of keepsakes my kid will have to throw away when they're 50. Is that kid supposed to be a sunflower or a lion? I can't tell. Oh, look, honey, there she is. Come on, honey, you can do it. Get those hands up. Then smile. Come on. A little louder. A little louder. The sun will come out too much. That's it. You got it. Oh, sweet Lord. Not an encore. I have to be up in like seven hours. Yes, that was my kid playing beggar number four. <laughs> Isn't she amazing? I'm so proud of her. The stage really has always been her calling. This has been Things You Will Hear at the School Play. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. More tips, Amy, please, more tips. I got some tips for you, Dr. Douglas Riley. He's the author of The Defiant Child. I put the link for that book in the show notes. If this 
is resonating with you, that's a good book to pick up. Yeah. If this is resonating with you, go get that book. Yeah. Yeah. He suggests the two free requests approach. It's sort of a one, two, three magic type thing. But he says, the first time you ask your child to do something, pick up your coat, give them two minutes to do it, to respond. Two minutes is a long time. That's longer than I would give. Okay. Two full minutes to pick up the coat. The coat's still on the floor. Then you calmly say, I'm now asking you a second time to pick up your coat. Do you understand what I'm asking you to do? And do you understand what the consequences are? If you don't, please make a smart decision. And then you give it another two minutes. And if you have to ask a third time, there's a consequence that's prearranged. You talk about it in a non-heightened time. The TV goes off, he says, which is probably a very, you know, 1997 (laughs) consequence for a kid, right? You take off their Google goggles if they don't pick up their coat. There's a prearranged consequence that the kid doesn't want, whatever it is. This is something I need to get back to. I adopted this from talking to somebody on the podcast where I would always say to the kids, hey, that bottle's still on the floor. That's my second ask. Somebody get that bottle. It's my third ask. Mostly just because... They would start to clean, like, oh, I, I better do it. I, I never had like a prearranged consequence at the end. But then also, if I'm like, get everyone's, everything stops, go pick up, nothing else happens until that bottle gets picked up. It's like, guys, I'm yelling because I've, this is my fourth time asking you. And so it doesn't just become the wall of noise of like, mom's always hysterical and yelling. It's like, no, no, I, I asked you, you heard me ask you three times calmly. But now I'm mad. I am a little bit team like, it's okay to be mad. I don't think you should yell and scare kids, but I think that it's okay to be mad when you're asking something for the fourth time. But I think when you give it a little bit more visibility, it helps to feel like mom's just not an angry ogre who stops around all the time. And if you have a kid who's resistant... I mean, it kind of makes sense to me that you like, okay, I asked that. Okay, this is now your second ask and you know what's going to happen. And then you walk away and then they can be like, fine, I'll do it. You know, they can be mad about it. They can feel like they've already fought the good fight by resisting you the first time you asked. You give them an out that doesn't involve a yelling match with you. And you don't want, I mean, I've taken the other side of this argument that you don't want to teach kids like you tell a dog to sit once and then you wait for them to sit. Because if you say sit, 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 then they get confused and they think that's the command. You don't want your kid to be like, I I can just hang out till it's like the third ask for literally anything before she gets mad. You don't want that to happen. But if you're specifically... Right, I only have to do it when she gets, when she starts screaming. But this isn't really advice for like all kids all the time. This is advice for a kid for whom everything has become a battle between the two of you and unpleasantness over the simplest request. These are things to try when things have become charged and you're trying to sort of diffuse that. Agree. Can I jump in with my own advice, even though I'm not a doctor? I did not write a book. I would love it. Please do. I find that this kind of defiance, it's boundary testing. We talk a lot about boundary-seeking behaviors and that sometimes I know people, including myself, who have struggled with like holding this boundary it is great to define this in your mind as boundary seeking behavior that like screaming and defiance is where's the heavy blanket that holds me in? Like, where's the wall? I need to feel it because if I'm allowed to be completely out of control in my house, it doesn't feel safe to me. And so when bad behavior starts, I like to think to myself, this is boundary seeking behavior. I have one job, provide the boundary, be the wall, stop, hem it in. They don't want to feel like there's no boundaries. They want a boundary. And thinking of it that way. Another thing that I think tends to happen is that this behavior 
can be scary and frightening. And it can feel to everybody in the house that the person who is the loudest and the most out of control is in charge. And that is something that I think it's important to name out loud for yourself, for the kid who's out of control, and for the other kids in the house. Wow, that got really out of control. I sometimes will say, I think you're really scaring everybody with this yelling and out of control behavior. It's feeling scary to me. And I think it's feeling scary to everybody. Because I think that it becomes that admission feels really scary. And I think that you feel like, well, I have to maintain this illusion of control. So therefore, I think it's important to name what's going on. And I know for my household, that has been important. And it has also become a little bit of something that we can joke about and give voice to. And we've named it ABS, angry bear syndrome. It's like, uh oh, we've got some ABS going on. And it takes the power out of it a little bit for everybody, I think. I think for the person who's out of control, and for the people in the house who feel frightened by the person who's out of control, that like, oh, we know what this is. Uh oh, we've got red brain going on. Let's just shut everything down. You tell us how to help you calm down, or you go somewhere else to calm down. But we know this is red brain. We're not scared of it. It's not frightening us all. We're not going to cower from it. We're not going to be taken over by it. But we know what this is. Uh Uh-oh, it's ABS. Uh Uh-oh, it's morning red brain. Whatever that title is. Now, will the person in red brain sometimes be like, I don't like it when you... They're not going to be like, oh my gosh, you're right. It is red brain and I should really calm down. That's not what's going to happen. But I do think conveying to an out of control child. I'm not afraid of this. I can handle it. I think it's work that we have to do for ourselves too. Because I do think, especially for women, and especially for some women who have been in tough, abusive households as children, or relationships as young people or adults, this behavior can be very triggering and can cause you to shut down. And then sometimes it gets worse. And so I think really preparing for like, how are we going to respond as a family when this disturbing and scary behavior begins? And it's okay to call it scary and disturbing behavior, even though it's your child. It is scary and disturbing. It might help you stay calmer, which is also right instead of you stop that right now that that we know that doesn't work. But it's naming it is helping you feel better in the moment. And so much of this is tied to Kids who are oppositional and defiant to a a point where like, I I really need some help with this are often also anxious. They go together. And I used to think that they were two separate things. No, they're not. They're like a, they were a swirl. It's like a chocolate, vanilla, soft ice cream cone. It's all mixed together. And you can't really tell where one ends and the other begins. But it makes a lot of sense to me that even if they can't hear you, really, there's some world in which they do want to just be told these are the walls and you're safe within these walls that they're seeking. These are the walls or I think this is another like Dr. Becky good inside moment too. You're a great kid. You're having a real hard time. You're in red brain syndrome, right? You're in angry bear mode right now. And I know this isn't you. You're such a great kid. You're having a like they want to be acknowledged. They're kind of testing to be like, I'm bad. I have these bad feelings. I'm going to make everybody mad at me and prove that I really am bad in the way that I think. And I do think getting under that and taking the fear and anxiety out of it as much as possible for everybody involved 
is super crucial. The other side of the net is the angry bear syndrome, right? And even the kid who's currently evincing it, right, is on the same side of the net with you. Like, this is the problem we have to deal with. Because I can also say that something that can happen is that when the oppositional person is in full red brain, as you were saying, kind of yelling, the other people start to blame one another, right? Like, yes. why'd you say that to him? You know, he doesn't like ketchup on his hamburger. Why did you ask me if you want to tell me that you start to get mad at like your spouse or the, or the other kid who looked at them? Like it's nobody else's fault, but if you, you can blame somebody else and then, you know, you're not left holding the bag and that's another sort of mm, thing you want to watch out for and push back against. Yeah. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that like this happens in lots of families and it's something that it can be kind of like scary and shameful for people to feel like, well, I don't even have control in my own right. house. A better parent wouldn't have this happening. Right. Not true. Right. Yeah. It's very common. I've dealt with it in my own ways, in my own house with lots of, with different children. And I think it's the kind of thing that work on responses in advance. But if you're struggling with it, get help with this one too, because it is cumulative. And I think the more that we hide from it and pretend it's not happening, it's getting worse, not better. And it's worth like really staring it down and being like, what are the books I need? What's the help I need? How can we all get on the same side against this difficult behavior, including my beloved kid? Mm -hmm. It's worth doing the work. So there's good books and links. I'll put those in the show notes. So um, you can check those out if you feel like you need more support around this. For sure. This was a good reminder for me. I need to, <laughs> I need to check back into me. some of these things myself, let's just say. <gasps> good news, everybody. We are now on YouTube Music. I'm going to put the link for that in the show notes, too. So you can actually listen and or watch. You can see us. You can listen. I don't know how it works on a phone, but I guess the same way. If you just want to see our faces, you can do both. Where do we go for this, Amy? You're, you're telling me about this. YouTube music. Go to YouTube music. Yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes and you have to, you can use your laptop and just use the link and it'll take you right to it. Or you download the YouTube music app, which is new-ish. They're rolling out like a sort of a Spotify alternative based in YouTube. And yeah, you can find us there. Love, love, love it. Even more ways to hear us. Who doesn't love it? (laughs) And with that, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. 
Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.